perhaps never since the really old days has storytelling so nearly reached the recognized level of dignity as a legitimate and general art of entertainment as now merry christmas i've been a bit absent for the last few months writing stories for season three i've also been working on a new show it's for those unwilling to indulge in the thematically inconsistent carnival we have come to know as farming god the forthcoming show is on the collision between nature and culture. Stories from the food scene, the art scene, the music scene, the sidewalk scene, meeting the people right outside your door that you never knew were there. The title hasn't been announced, but when it's ready, you'll be the first to know by punching in your email at farminggod.org. While preparing for season three in the new show, I've been thinking a lot about narrative, the quilt we are all wrapped up in, tumbling, colliding, stumbling into others and their stories. Stories we tell ourselves about ourselves, about others, and about places. Long before the historical Jesus and Black Friday, stories held a special significance during this part of the year, the darkest days of winter, the solstice, a time to celebrate the coming of light. In Scandinavia, the wine and beer that had been fermenting since summer was finally ready to consume. So men would burn large logs, drink and eat until the log had burnt out, sometimes for up to 12 days. Each spark, they said, represented a new animal to be born that spring. These were pagans. And celebrations like this happened throughout Europe this time of year. In the 4th century, Pope Julius I declared that the 25th of December be the celebration of Jesus' birth. The timing worked nicely for evangelists, presumably making the pagan to Christian conversion an easier sell. By the Middle Ages, Christianity and its holidays nearly completely replaced paganism. Although Christian converts were now worshipping a different god, the celebration changed minimally. Christians may have attended a brief church service, but only if it did not interfere with the drunken fiasco that dominated village life. Similar to the pagan holidays of the past, these festivities involved social role-play, where servants became masters and masters' servants. Beggars visited the doors of the rich and asked for their finest food and drink. If they refused, the beggars would torment them for the remainder of the holiday season. In some regions, a beggar was crowned the Lord of Misrule, summoning the willing upper class to serve at his hand. When Christianity came to America, the Puritans banned Christmas for dislike of decadence. From 1659 to 1681, Boston residents were fined for displaying Christmas spirit. The American Revolution perpetuated this disdain of old world custom, postponing America's acceptance of Christmas to the year 1870, when it was eventually declared a federal holiday. The state is a bit perplexing amidst contemporary Christian rhetoric. No, the pilgrims did not gift Native Americans holly and chestnuts, nor did they unload poinsettias and mistletoe from the Mayflower. Contemporary American Christmas is an entity of its own, resting on the shoulders of Charles Dickens and department store jingles. 
Hello. Milky Way Garage, located between heaven and earth. Hello? This is Rudolph. I wonder if oh, you... Oh, not again. Rudolph, how many times must I tell you? Don't call us. We'll call you. Goodbye. Yes, Hello. it's true. Rudolph originally appeared in a 1939 ad for Montgomery Ward, a department store. But I'm not telling this historical account of Christmas so you can be the cynical snob who ignites a flame at the already contentious Christmas table. It's a nudge to acknowledge the narratives that shape our worldview, an option to play within the web of experience, a challenge that if we are, after all, living according to a story, we may as well choose a fantastic one. Perhaps never since the really old days has storytelling so nearly reached a recognized level of dignity as a legitimate and general art of entertainment as now. And in the guise of entertainment, the story is often the vehicle. Thus, it has come to be recognized that the ability to tell a story well is an important part of the equipment of the parent or the teacher of little children. The parent is often at a loss for fresh material. Sometimes he makes up a story with but poor satisfaction to himself or his child. The host is riding from Knocknaray and over the grave of Clutnaber. Quelter tossing his burning hair, and Neve calling, Away, come away! Empty your heart of its mortal dream. The winds awaken, the leaves whirl round, our cheeks are pale, our hair is unbound, our breasts are heaving, our eyes are agleam, our arms are waving, our lips are apart, and if any gaze on our rushing band, we come between him and the deed of his hand, we come between him and the hope of his heart. The host is rushing twixt night and day, and where is there hope or deed as fair? Quelter tossing his burning hair, and Neve calling, Away! Come away! The stories in the present collection are drawn from many nations. Tago no urani, uchi de temireba shirotaeno, Fuji no takane ni yukiwa furitsutsu, Yamabe no akahito. Folk tales, modern fairy tales, and myths have a generous showing, and there is added a new field as a source for stories. This is real life. There are quite a number of divisions into which life can be divided, but for the purposes of this evening, I'm going to speak of two, the bright side of life and the dark side. You will find, too, that there are two classes of people. Real life. There is one class that is schooling itself and constantly training itself to look upon the dark side of life. If the roles are poor, it is a great deal better in such a case to get into the habit, a habit that you will find pays from every standpoint, of being able to forget how unpalatable they are, and to let your thoughts dwell upon the good and satisfactory coffee. And there is another class, made up of people who are, consciously or unconsciously, 
constantly training themselves to look upon the bright side of life. There was an old person of Dutton, whose head was as small as a button. So to make it look big, he purchased a wig and rapidly rushed about Dutton. Children soon began to take a decided interest. Speak of the beauties that are in the raindrops and the freshness of the newly bathed flowers. What is the result of that kind of schooling? You will grow up to be an individual whom people will like to see coming near them. An individual to whom people will go for encouragement when the hours are dark and when everything seems to be discouraging. Real life. Persistence, faithfulness, truthfulness, honesty, generosity, loyalty to one's word, tender care of animals, and love of friends and family. The persons who live constantly in a fault-finding atmosphere, who see only the dark side of life, become negative characters. They're the people who never go forward. They never suggest a line of activity. They live simply on the negative side of life. The narrative of an experience in which that some virtue finds concrete embodiment fires him with a desire to try the same conduct for himself. There was an old man who said, "Hush, I perceive a young bird in this bush." When they said, "Is it small?" he replied, "Not at all. It is four times as big as a bush." Kasasagi no watashiru hashi ni okushimono. 白色の夜空に照る。白い夜を見れば夜空に照る。白い夜を見れば夜空に照る。白い夜を見れば夜空に照る。白い夜を見れば夜空に照る。白い夜を見れば夜空に照る。白い夜を見れば夜空に照る。
Santa came to say. <laughs> Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? Then how the reindeer loved me as they shouted out with glee. Whee! Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer, you go down in history. Yeah. <laughs> 